Hello and welcome to the Dynamo Faithful, your spot for everything Dynamo. I'm the Sinski Man and with me tonight are Kyle. What's up? Jake. Season three. Scroggins. It is so good to see you, fellas. And Manny. I'm ready for some big pot energy, guys. Let's do this. We're recapping the offseason, hoping for more moves, previewing the current squad, and looking at team news. It's been a while since we've been together, and it reminds me of how, in the Lord of the Rings movies, Frodo awakens in Gondor and everyone laughs after the destruction of the ring. Spoiler alert. That's what it feels like to get back together with you guys. It's that beautiful. It really is. Now, let's talk about our offseason. Jake, I want to hear from you first. Give me some info on Baird's departure. Corey Baird had a pretty good season with us last year. I don't know if y'all recall this, but he had a pretty hot run of form and then was average to good for the rest of the year outside of that, which meant he was a desirable player. And and if you'll recall as well, going into last season, he decided, look, I'm going to bet on myself. I think I'm going to have a good year. And he was right. He played well in a contract year. And his reward for that was to to go into free agency as a hot commodity. Now, because of our cap situation that we're going to talk about probably more than any of us want to later, Corey Baird was always a player that we were most likely not going to be able to resign. I kind of anticipated this. I think several of us did because this is Corey Baird's kind of last opportunity to to get that big contract. And yeah. we won't really know how much he signed for at FC Cincinnati uh, until the MLS Players Union puts out their salary numbers later this year. But we can assume he got a bit of a raise and he went to a really good team. I, I think and I hope I speak for everyone on the pod and hopefully our whole fandom when I say, Corey, thank you for last year. Thank you for the excitement. And we do hope you well in Cincinnati. We hope that you tear it up in the Eastern Conference, unless you play against us, in which case we hope you lay an egg. Bear going to going to Cincinnati makes it a little bit easier for me to like not hate him for the move. Honestly, I I do think he had a decent season. And I'm glad, like you said, that he's getting that big money contract, probably the last one. You mentioned that. But honestly, I'm looking and I wonder like I were his numbers good enough for a big contract in this league? What do you think, Jake? I think he had, uh, he's not going to be making DP money anywhere, but he probably fits really nicely into to Cincinnati's salary structure. He was making like what, 500,000 with us? 550, 600? I can't, I can't recall. It was about that. And I think we would all say more than deserved at the time. Probably so. I think he's going to make, I would guess, 750 at Cincinnati. That would be a good ballpark for me. Something that puts him in that slightly TAM range, kind of lower end of a, of a TAM player. They're going to have to buy down his contract with Monopoly money. Um, so he's going to be remarkably making... remarkably non-average salary for a very average person. Just got to throw I it agree. Again, is why I really think there was no way going into this offseason that Corey Baird and the Dynamo front office were going to agree to a number. I think he wanted to raise, and I think the only way he stayed with our team was if he took a pay cut. Manny, I'm going to throw this next one over to you. And I think, in my opinion, this is this is the big hurting one of our departures. Thor is gone. How does that how does that make you feel knowing that he is out and about with another team? Man, that it hurts. It hurts. Like it really does. I just, I just yep. feel like he never got, you know, the 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 time that he really deserved, especially with, you know, former Corey Baird not really pulling his weight towards the end of the season. You know, like <clears throat> like uh, Jake was saying that he he had a good run, but then it kind of dwindled out there and Thor was still not getting the starts, right? And yeah. it goes down to to Ben probably, you know, Ben sees him training more than we do, obviously, and him just not seeing something that he he wanted, a spark, the work effort, the energy. I'm not sure what it was because the dude scored bangers only. And that's he and he shot. Like he shot. He didn't he need shot. a lot of touches to get the shot off. It was, you know, touch, shot, touch, shot. When he was in those positions. He wasn't always necessarily in those positions. But that, yeah, that was sad to see. I will say. His new team in Hungary has already done 
a much better job of promoting him as Thor than we ever did. Right. If you guys saw the video of his intro into that Hungarian team, it was fantastic. I watched it at least five times in a row. I was like, this is a great video. This is why did we not do anything like this while he was here? And it was only like 30 seconds, I think. I don't think it was super long, but I was just like, this is this is the kind of marketing we need. And it's another dynamo marketing failure, I felt like, that we could have capitalized on. So Yeah, it was really fun. I I always enjoyed when Thor was on the pitch. It was he he looked like he was having a good time. He would always take shots. His social media presence was really fun. Like every time you'd see him wearing some ridiculous outfit, that shirt that he wore with I think it was bossy. I don't remember what that was for, but it might be a little too inappropriate for me to talk about on here. But it cracked me up and just always just seemed like a fun guy. Whereas in relation to Baird, who probably helped out the team more than Thor, better production on the pitch most of the time, did all that hard yard stuff that that Ben loves. But he just, mild butter. We gave him that on our very first episode. That was his moniker because he is such such so mild, so mild. And that really stuck with him, I think. Much like Buttermite. And Thor, though. Butter really slippery? But but sticky. Maybe it's a texture thing. Maybe it's not the right texture. I'll take that. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Thor, on the other hand, you know, just like, dare I say it, like lightning in a bottle. So fun. So fun. Let's go ahead and move on to Teenage Hadebi. Scroggins, how you feel about him going? This is an interesting one to me. Yeah, I mean... Sad to see him go because he really did love the club. He really did enjoy being here. You could tell that the guys in the locker room loved him, uh, except for like probably Zarek Valentin. He probably doesn't love him. But uh, <laughs> classic teenage <laughs> memory, core Dynamo memory for me. That is, yeah. For for anyone new, you just need to Google that, and and it's it's amazing every time teenage you watch it. Hadibi, Zarek Valentin, coffee. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's that as was, bad as it sounds. It was amazing. But I mean, I, I think like when he got injured at the beginning of the season, I loved seeing him like wheeling around on his little cart after surgery and like just engaging with the fans, being at the stadium when he really didn't have to be, you know, like it, it's sad to see him go. But given his cap number his hit yeah, and how good Michael played, yeah, it was inevitable. It was a no brainer. And it's just one of those that that's the casualty of having a salary cap like the MLS does is it these things happens where where it's just he's a great player we love him he loves us i don't think the club wanted him to go necessarily except for that paycheck you know yeah we needed that money, like, needed ahead, that money. so we needed that money you needed it yeah we I'm find but, any i'm worried we we haven't found any money <laughs> yeah we'll we'll get to that in the future well, yeah, we'll get into that i feel like with teenage, this is a big blow to the morale of the team just because he was such a, like, I don't know, a, a standard setter. He was always having fun, always dancing. Yeah. You know, I think he got bossy into it and kind of like really helped with the culture of the team. I feel like, in terms of like players looking like they were enjoying being here. And I'm going to miss that. But like you said, he's just too expensive. And if we've learned any lesson from the Matt Jordan era, I think it's, to not overpay your center backs. And teenage is just another one that was overpaid that we had to get out. I mean, we were paying for Tim Parker to play for another team because we had overpaid for a center back, you know, and we're still trying to figure out how that works. It seems like overpaying players. And we, we just have too much quality depth at a much better price. I feel like yeah. Jake will let me know if I'm wrong about that, but Bartlow, Mikhail, Starez, there's plenty of players who can come into that role who don't hit the who don't hit that salary cap in the same Absolutely. fashion that teenage did. And did anybody DP, else forget about Daniel Starez? Because I did. You can't forget <laughs> about the grandpa. After his first year here, I think that us saying we forgot about him is progress. <laughs> I'll take he that. was solid last year. He was a good right back of all things. Yep. Love Starez. Yeah, he did. He, he put in a shift when he would come on. I think that's what we need from our veteran players to be able to come in, put in a shift when they need it. He's Let's easily also, the most popular player at the nursing home. I mean, like yeah. easily. <laughs> Gets along real well with the grandmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You might cut that one out. We'll see. All right. The next one, Kyle, Ivan Franco's loan has come to an end. He's gone back home, no longer here in Houston. You cool with that? I am as cool as can be on that one, Sinsky man. Cool um, as a cucumber. Yeah. Loved. I anytime we lose a big hair boy, it hurts a little bit. We've got, we've got quite probably the greatest big hair boy that's out there right now. And I don't think we have enough room on our team for two big hair boys. So I think Ivan Franco had to go for a number of reasons, his hair being one of them, but two, he is just a tiny, tiny man and could not compete and didn't really seem to break into Ben's plans at all. It was fun to watch him equalize at the death. I think that was the home game against Austin on an, a couple of different occasions. He, he popped in with some good goals, but the guy just gets pushed off the ball way too easily and does not do enough in a creative attacking piece that we needed. So no sweat off my back. I hope that he has success in his career, but we need to, we need to look to bigger and better and, and players that are going to be able to, you know, scale up a little bit better to this league. And Ivan just wasn't that. And the whole Sebas thing didn't really work out either because we shipped Sebas out and he lost his buddy. So there was not a whole lot like tying him to our success at that point. Yeah. Scroggins, do you want to jump in here, add something to that? Yeah, I wouldn't have mind minded if if Ivan had, had stayed around because I, I thought he was a great off the bench kind of guy. Like the the way he played was very reckless. But but like when you're behind or you're needing a goal, like he would introduce that level of chaos to the game, to the attack, which was fun to watch. It really was a blast. But his purchase price was like something like six or seven mil, if I remember I think correctly. I heard three, but whatever it was, oh. it was way too high. Way yeah, yeah. Just that, too team, high. that team is the same team that we got Sebas from. And they knew, okay, this Dynamo team can be our cash cow for, <laughs> uh, for, for average players to to really be juice up the price. And I think Pat finally said, look, this this buy low, rent low, buy high system is not going to work for us anymore. Rent low, buy high, done. I really hope he's done with that. So yeah, Ivan can't stick around if he's going to be DP <laughs> player for us. Now, I'm going to jump back to Jake for this one because he is the... He is the insider who brought this to the Dynamo Faithful's attention, and we wouldn't even know about it if not for him. But there is a rumor as of today of the recording. So by the time this drops, maybe there will be more truth or untruth to it. But Jake, you told me that Chase Gaspar might be going to Chicago. First, I want to make very clear that I'm not an insider. I saw a tweet, which is on the most public forum on the internet. Twitter, I think you may uh, have heard Neither of, of those things exist. Uh, you did not see a tweet. No, it was by someone named, we're just going to talk right over you. It was by someone named Alex Calabrese. Calabri I'm Alex, I know you're out there and I'm butchering your name and I'm sorry. I, I don't follow you. You seem to be a Chicago Fire journalist. Look. I want the Chicago Fire to be better than they are. I don't know why. I think Chicago is a cool town. I like your pizza. I don't care if it's really just a casserole. It's a really good casserole. Not that yeah, good. so it looks like <laughs> they're going to stay bad. Their team is for sure worse than their pizza, and and they're they're looking to buy Gaspar. On that article, it, it mentioned him as a proven left back. Now, look, I want everyone to know that I am rooting for Chase Gaspar. I think he played very well. He had had some very personal issues off the field that really derailed his career, probably derailed his life. And I hope that we're all rooting for him to get back on his feet. But I am also very happy that we are not going to be paying the $400,000 a year for him to work at getting back on his feet. So I wish him well in Chicago. But oh, my gosh, I just didn't expect good news today. And Gaspar leaving, because in addition to this, guys, we have like 50 million left backs on our first team roster right yep. now. We're mainly left back. So even if he didn't have a pretty bad year first last year and was pretty expensive this year, he would have absolutely uh, someone from the left back position needs to be offloaded for sure. For sure. And to be honest, he was a guy who how many games he played for us? Four or five? Maybe he was clearly just brought in to like 
coverage. To, to cover he was an emergency buy for sure. Else, like he was our emergency emergency, yeah. emergency backup. You know what I mean? Tate Schmidt our got injured backup. in a dirty tackle, and we had to find someone. We had to find a warm body to put at left back. He was on waivers, so we picked him up on waivers last year. We probably won't ever know exactly how much he counted against our cap because picking up players. Yeah, there we go. Where it's as transparent as a brick wall with no windows, might I add. Because we picked him up on waivers, we pretty much voluntarily said we'll take X amount of his um, of his salary charge. So we didn't we weren't responsible for all of it last year. But yeah, it it would have been too much this year. And so it it was a. Even if we continue to pay a part of his salary, which I believe we will, Gross. opening up any cap space, opening up any cap space for us and getting him off of our roster was a good move. No one was taking him at full price. Nobody. That's Chase, because he has an outrageous full price, Minnesota. We blame you. How many teams will be paying that salary if he does go to Chicago? Say that one more time, Jake. Three. I'm sorry. Say it again. How many teams will be paying that salary if he goes? To Chicago. Well, we'll never know for sure, but certainly us, Chicago, and according to that article, also LA Galaxy will will be signing parts of his check. So three teams paying for one player. That's wild. But really, there are no teams in the MLS because it's a single entity. And so really just the MLS. Just the MLS. All right. Those are our departures. Seemed like we had a lot going on there. Let's make a move to the additions to the team, you know, if this were my math class, I would have said we did our subtraction. Now let's look at our addition. And I don't know if the addition is going to outweigh that subtraction. I'll let you guys be the judge of that. Kyle, we pulled in a young man by the name of Kieran Sargent, homegrown player, left back. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't be related yeah. to Josh Sargent, would he? I don't think he is, which is shocking because he is also as redheaded as Josh Sargent is. They're, uh, they're the same guy. <laughs> That'd be a fun, a fun swap. I'm actually really excited about Kieran Sargent. He is a really progressive left back coming out of Georgetown. He was a he just finished up his junior year, if I remember correctly, and has been picked up as a homegrown player. And I think it's the fourth homegrown player under Pat's reign as GM. So it's good. It's good to see us really like trying to establish ourselves in that sense. But he's also seemingly a, a he's 20 years old and I think should be really considered for a shot at the team getting some significant minutes. I'm not a Kieran Sargent expert. That's I love Tate Schmidt. Tate Schmidt is back in training with the first team, which is awesome. But he was out for an entire season on a season-ending injury. And everybody knows that that is hard to come back from. So I'd love to see him bounce back with without any issues. But Kieran Sargent reminds me a lot of what I saw on Tate Schmidt. He's progressive. He gets up the field. He likes to cross quickly. He likes to be involved in the attack. I'd like to see us be able to push both flanks. And I think Kieran Sargent offers us something on the left side that we may not have with the injury crises of our left-sided defenders. So I think it was a good, a good signing. And I also just think like he's 20 years old. He's not, he's not like a baby baby. He is young, but we're looking at players all around the world that are getting put into high pressure situations with big teams. Why not let, you know, see what this kid can do in this, you know, not developing league, but changing league for sure. I think the league is shifting and, and I'd like to see what he can do. You said something really interesting. I'm going to hop over to Manny real quick. This isn't about another edition. This is still about Kieran. Do you think that Ben, maybe it's more about Ben. Do you think Ben will be willing to push on both sides or he's still going to want one of the fullbacks to be heavily defensive and the other one to be the main progressor. I know both will get up the pitch at times in Ben's system, but do you think he'd be willing to have both be full throttle? <clears throat> no, not unless, not unless we move to a wingback system, which I don't think he's going to do this season. You know, we we had a system last, last year that, that worked for us. And if it's, you know, not broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Not to say that he won't change anything tactically, Obviously, you know, we noticed at the end of the last season how a lot of people started to kind of pin back 
Dorsey a bit that, you know, they started to catch on to him. So something that's going to be a little different might need, need to be there. So we bring on Kieran to the left. Uh, maybe that works, you know, something new, something fresh. I think to answer your question, though, that I don't think he's going to do both of them at the same time. Well, if he does, it's not going to be a regular thing. I think he's going to still be weighted back a little bit on either the left or the right side. I got you, Jake. Jump in there. I do think we saw Escobar getting up on the left side a bit more often towards the end of the season. And we saw our our tour drop a little bit deeper to stay with that back three. So I think we're flexible in doing that. And I, I agree with Manny, though. I think that Ben will probably want to keep a defensive stalwart at left back, someone like Escobar. Okay. Let's let's keep going. Sebastian Rodriguez. Scroggins, you got any info for me on him? Yeah, there's not a lot, not a whole lot that I know. I know he's homegrown. He's from the Houston area-ish. And he's got a first-team contract, but I think the anticipation is that he's going to play for Dose. But this, between, you know, Rodriguez and Sargent, this is what you want. This is what we need to do, is sign Academy products. Sign guys that are coming through our system, because one, like, we have the talent catchment. There's absolutely no reason that we shouldn't be producing quality talent hand over fist. It kills me that, that, that Frisco at, produces like they do. We should be doing that. And secondly, the knock on is this is how you do depth in the MLS. This is how you get the most out of your roster by signing these young guys because they're on cheaper deals, you know, and, and they don't, you're not as pressed up against the cap like we find ourselves. So yeah, that's, my take on it. I agree. And I think uh, Asher Middleson has been pretty vocal about that online, talking about how the Dynamo will not be where they want to be until the academy becomes more prevalent and more prolific in making it to the team. <clears throat> so like you said, this is a good step forward. And I think we should always get excited when homegrown players get contracts. And hopefully we get to see some minutes. We're in a lot of competitions this year because we were so good last year. And it'll be nice to see if Ben will be willing to give these guys some minutes in some of those tournaments. Let's keep going. This is a kind of funny one, and I'm going to shoot it at you, Manny. But technically, Griffin Dorsey is an addition, right? No. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know who put that, but no, I would not say he's an addition. He's technically, a, he is an addition because he's like not on our team because he was a free agent. So. It's I like, know that emotionally he's not an addition, but it was business it, that we did this offseason. Sure. Business-wise, he was an addition. There was never a point in a season that I watched of the Dynamo where he wasn't on the team. So, Well, you don't watch gonna, the offseason, but during the offseason, oh, he wasn't on the team. Okay, well, if there was something to watch during the offseason, I would have been watching. Yeah, and some of us watch the offseason a little bit more closely than others, I guess. What, what were you watching them do during offseason, Jake? Were you standing over Not sign people. Bed? It was me checking every day, and they didn't sign anyone. You were not alone. <laughs> one, of us had, one of us had the gall to go online and say, hey, what are we doing? And we, we got a response, that. so that was pretty great. Yeah, so... I am, I am glad. Yeah, I am glad that he re-signed. Obviously, I'm glad to see him. I would have been really sad if he had signed for another team. Thankful that he's here. Hopefully he can a little add a little bit more tricks to his bag this year. Uh, like I said, towards the end of last year, we started to see him get pinned back a little bit more. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the progression of the season for him. It's we did see that, important. but even in a game where he was getting pinned back, he did kind of like start fire, like quick fire a move to get us a goal to move us ahead into the to keep going into the playoffs. So even when he was getting stumped, he still had a little bit that he could pull out. So kudos He's to him. He's got tenacity, nothing else. It's important for us to recognize that he was not just like re-signed or exercised an option. We had to give him a new contract, which means he yeah, got yeah. a raise. And when we're talking about signings and why we aren't getting them, it's important to recognize that certain players probably got raises this year, Not which probably. affects think, cap space. I think Pat made that pretty clear in an interview. I think it was with Glenn. Dorsey definitely did. We're getting raises, but, yeah. But also yeah. Artur probably got one because he had a contract extension and Bartlow may have gotten one as well because he had a contract extension. I would assume his is smaller, but he's still, I mean, if you're getting a new contract, you're probably going to get a little bit of a raise. Do you think, unless you're a teacher, am I right? 
<laughs> Amen. Do brother. you think that Artur had something put in his contract where he gets like, you know, you have goal scoring bonuses or clean sheet bonuses? I bet you he, he got like nutmeg bonuses. Oh, yeah. Gosh, like I the number so. of times the he pulls that off. Worth every penny. DQ had a back heel bonuses. Every back heel that he successfully got to another player, he made money on. So I think he got like three payments from the Dynamo during his tenure here. <laughs> anyway, he also had this crazy clause where if he and Sebus touched the ball at the same time, they both got double bonuses. Man, that's why we're so broke. And, <laughs> and just to be clear, I'm hearing from Pat Onset that it was kind of a Baird or Griff situation. And it was always going to be Griff. A hundred percent. Could you imagine what would happen if we had si- re-signed Baird and let Griff walk? Like, I think I might have driven all the way to Houston and burned down the stadium myself. Like, yeah. the, the rage. Oh, my gosh. I, I happen to feel like it was this podcast, this very podcast, Dynamo Faithful, that really got Griff and Dorsey back into the team. And then it paid off because Scroggins we and Jake, early especially, were we so really Rip and Dorsey pro. I recognized that greatness early, and I, I just wanted to say that that I was a a leading contributor to the Griff Nasons. We have I mean, he did sign our episode. He did sign one of our episodes. So that is true. That is true. I have I that picture saved on my idea phone. How much we love him? That's <laughs> like he doesn't know. He probably shouldn't know. I don't personally want the restraining order that would follow. So. <laughs> Griff, you're safe. It's fine. And then there's the draft, guys. We brought in yeah. two players, and I I will say this: as much as the MLS draft is kind of laughed at because of the semi pointlessness of it, we did really well, surprisingly. Yeah. In this draft, we got players that were really like targeted guys, and I'm gonna let somebody who follows like not professional soccer jump in. And talk about this. Jake, talk Who's about that? this. <laughs> <laughs> Is that any of us? I don't think any of us follow much not professional soccer, but I do take a These guys are interest humble. Humble in, in Dynamo signings once they have been drafted. Um, so we we picked up two players, which is ridiculous because we we were very late in the draft. This this was a new feeling for most of us. Yeah. We had a good season and therefore had a late draft pick. So I went into this day for the first time in the last like three years, not really caring about the draft, like not looking at the boards, not seeing what we were projected, who was going to be high on the list because we weren't going to get it. Then I went online. I saw who we got. And apparently we did really, really well. So in the first round, we picked Gamalfi from Virginia. Here's the cool thing about this guy. He's a generation Adidas player. So for those of y'all that maybe aren't as familiar with the draft, first of all, no judgment. You don't need to be super familiar with it. Generation Adidas is a program that Adidas does that takes some of the most sought after prospects um, in college soccer and gives them a contract, pays their wages for for a year or so. So it it isn't even going to come out of Ted's pocket. And so being a Gen Adidas player means he's probably pretty good. He scored 10 goals last year at Virginia as a freshman. As a freshman last year, that means he's younger than your average draft pick, which is pretty important for us because that means he's hitting the pro game early in his development cycle. And so we're we're pretty excited about this guy. From all accounts, he's pretty pacey. And as we know, our coach loves a striker that can stretch the line. I think many people expect him to get minutes in D2 rather than the first team. But quite frankly, I think we all consider that striker position pretty open and pretty up for grabs. Our second pick in the second round, and this one is ridiculous, was Osman Silla. Everyone expected Silla to either go very, very early in the draft or go to Europe. And in fact, the reason why he fell to the second round was because nobody bothered picking this guy up because they were like, why are we going to waste a draft pick if he's just going to sign for a European team? But here's the thing. He hasn't signed for a European team team yet, right? This guy won the best player in college soccer award last year, the Mac Herman Award. That's a that's a fairly big deal. Uh, He's coming off of a 13 goal season, 10 assist season. He had 24 goals and 24 assists in his college career. He plays, I haven't gotten great information on where he plays, either a winger or one of those tens that's a late arriving run into the box to score goals, a little bit like like an old Frank Lampard. 
or should I say a young Frank Lampard? You don't want to be compared to old Lampard. Look, it's a big deal that he's with us. He's, he's on the, uh, the preseason trip of the boys now. Personally, I feel more and more like he is going to sign with us, which will be a, a fairly big win, right? We don't want to overhype the guy. Um, but it's, it's exciting stuff. The longer we go towards the end of that European transfer season, the more sure I am that he's going to be wearing Dynamo Orange next year. Well, let's hope that happens because he seems like a, a good pick. And if we get him, if he does go to Europe, I think that means cash in the pockets, which means better players. That's what I think. Anyways, those are our additions. Um, nothing like substantial going to like impact the team immediately, in my opinion, minus the Griffin Dorsey addition that Manny says isn't an addition at all. He hates Griffin Dorsey confirmed. Let's talk about Never. the grade. How do we, how do we rate this current offseason? So far, Kyle, haven't heard from you in a good while. How would you rate what we're doing? Yeah, this one's tough. I, I feel like I'm in a little bit of a state of apathy right now towards towards the Dynamo because it's been so long and because we haven't really done anything dramatically to improve our squad. I'm excited about some of these young guys coming in, but doesn't really move the needle a whole lot for me, especially given some of the team news that we'll get into. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say an F like I know some of you Debbie Downers on this podcast <laughs> are going to say, but I'm going to say a D just a middle D, you know, that's what it's going to be. It's not like D plus. A D, D is what a teacher right gives a kid who wanted an F, but, or deserved an F, but you kind of like the kid a little. Or you hate him so much you want him out of your class. Fair. <laughs> Teachers don't Teacher do insights. Teacher insights. Get him out. <laughs> I think Asher made it pretty clear on uh, X that the goal for this offseason was to keep the team as together as possible. Baird had to go because of salary cap issues. Same with teenage. But they wanted the core of the team and even more than just the core to be together. And if they're going to do that, that means necessarily there can't be many additions because of how far up against the cap we already are. So I think he made it pretty clear we can't look forward to too many additions, but that they are looking at, he said, creative options for additions. I don't know what that means because I'm not a technical director for a major franchise. but. I do hope that that means that we're going to see some sort of movement from outside of the organization coming in that that would really be exciting for, for this offseason. Because I really do think losing Baird and not replacing him is going to be hard. And I, I don't even think Baird was that great last season. I think he had a decent season, but I don't think I don't think his numbers were like, oh, my gosh, those are incredible. But I also don't think we have anyone on the roster who can match them. So there's got to be something there. But as far as a grade, I'm going to still give them an F. I know that we're stuck against the cap, but I, I just feel like in my core, it's the backroom's job to figure out a way to manipulate the cap in such a way that we can get players in there, and that's not happened yet. I'm hopeful it will happen, and it's an F currently that I could see going all the way up to a C. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Jake, what is your rating for our offseason so far? You seem the most hopeful in our soccer text to me so the only grade you can really give our our off season right now it's it's certainly not an a it's you can't really give it a b i think a c saying it's average is pretty generous I, i'm not sure that a d is particularly fair and frankly i wouldn't give it an f either the only grade that you can give our off season is an i in c that's right that's an incomplete the offseason is not over. We've made moves to open up cap here and there, and we are waiting for our, our signings. Jake really puts the faithful in Dynamo Faithful, and I love it. Scroggins, give me your rating, please. Yeah, I think you, you have to look at this thing in context. Look in, in light of what Asher said, wanting to keep that core of the team together. And what we saw last year was that our top line of talent was was good enough to compete with the best in the league. The issue is we didn't have any depth. About the only person coming that I would trust would be Caicedo, right? Like, we didn't have 
you know, in, in maybe Thor, you know, maybe Thor. But we didn't have anybody coming off the bench that we, we you knew, like, oh, this guy's going to impact the game. He's going to change the game. We just didn't have that. And and because that means we're targeting depth, that means there's not going to be any signing that we're going to think is just awesome. Right. We're not going to fall in love with any of these picks or signings outside of maybe a striker, a DP striker or winger that we all want. So by and large, our our signings are just going to be kind of mid because that's the roster area we need to reinforce. And, and in light of all that, I'm going to give us a C plus. I think we're we're doing just fine. I think it'll that grade will definitely jump if we sign a striker uh, or sign a good striker. But but for now, like I I think we're kind of doing what we need to do. We're being smart with the cap. We're signing depth guys because that's what that's where we're at. That's what we need outside of that top tier striker. Okay, man that that might be beyond faithful. That might be like I don't realistic. Know. Yeah, the thing is, it seems kind of like almost realism. It's it seems unrealistic, but I hope you're right. I hope you're right, Manny. I'm going to go to you, and I think we're going to have a more similar uh, outlook. I could be wrong. Maybe you're going to blow my mind too. Go ahead. Maybe maybe a little different than you expected. I know that I'm I'm usually a, a Debbie Downer. I'll, I'll understand that. But we're at the beginning of the season. You know, it hasn't well, sort of. We're at the beginning of preseason, really. And Jake actually took my my grade. I was going to give it an I. It is it is incomplete. That said, if we do not sign that striker or winger that can consistently put goals in the back of the net, I'm going to give this an F. Because really, for me, that should have been our main goal and target for this offseason. I understand keeping the team together. I'm glad they did that. If that was something they wanted to do, again, I'm glad they did that. But they got rid of one of our leading goal scorers that wasn't penalty kicks for the season. And we haven't replaced him yet. And he wasn't even that good. So we needed to replace him with someone better last season. And if we don't do it this offseason, we're going to be worse. Like, if no one comes into that position, and I know that some of us want to bank on Aliyu being the better guy. I hope he does get better. But this is where the Debbie Downer in me comes in. And I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I can hope. But I don't I don't think it's going to happen. So. I need to see someone up top that can consistently put in goals. Because here's the thing. Even if we have a provider that comes in on one of those wings, we've seen Aliyu miss some really good provided balls. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my problem with XG is because Aliyu has a massive XG, but no numbers to back it up. And somebody's going to tell me, you know, that'll level out, that should level out. But I just feel like what that tells me is that this guy misses a lot of really good opportunities. And if, I, if I've if i got a player who misses a lot of really good opportunities, I'm going to talk to other teams about how good his XG is and see if they'll take him off my hands. So, yeah, I mean, and we'll give him, we can give him the benefit of the doubt, right? We give him the Acha Acha benefit of the doubt saying, hey, you came in partway through the season. You had to settle in. Maybe more time Played here. Played a ton. Dude played like 50 plus games last year. How did he do? What do you mean? How did he do? <laughs> do you want do you want me to actually tell you he did? Not that bad. Nowhere near as bad as you think he did. I don't know. It was his, his goal goals per minute. His oh goals per minute were not much worse than Baird's. He had he had point two two goals per ninety, and Baird's was at a point three one. He can replace Baird easily. I I said Baird wasn't that good to begin with. I wanted he to could be better than that. I would love better. I think he can be better, but. He can definitely not be much worse. I don't have the same optimism of you as you of him being better. I hope for it, but I don't, I'm not quite there. He's like 22 years think, old. I don't think we can lie to our own eyes. I think that's that realize, realize that Aliyu is not the answer. I think that people that refuse to look at context are sad. I'm looking at the context. The context is You're not games of like what three goals. How many games? Three, that whoa, played? three goals with the Dynamo. He came from somewhere else where he played a wide midfielder. Very different, very different league, very different situation. I can't count. That. Right, but you're 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 saying he scored three goals in fifty games, which you're factually wrong. So you are doing exactly what I said, which is ignoring context. Sure. I'll do, here's the context: A leave for the Dynamo has not been successful, and hopefully he does. Hopefully he does. I don't see it. 
That's the context of which I'm working in. That's my framework. Aliyah's not doing a good job. And with that being the framework, I'm going to say, Aliyah's not doing a good job. All right. With that, we'll move on. I get to uh, control when the spoken. conversation ends. So here we go. And But unfortunately, I'm now jumping to Even Jake, when he's which wrong. means he can continue the conversation if he wants. But Jake, I'm going to ask you a question. You understand the cap far better than I do. I've been talking about the cap all day, but you're the only reason I know anything to say. So go ahead and explain this cap situation to us a little bit more fully. What slots do we have available? What space are we really working with? And by we, I mean mission control, because I can't do anything about it. So first I want to say, I I can't get into the full details of what we'd be here all day. I think most of you would want to claw your eyes out. Perhaps I could just start talking. You guys could play me out then play me back in when I'm done and no one would know anything. So I'm going to try to hit the high points here. Um, we have a salary cap in this league this year. It's about 5.47 million. In addition to that, we have various forms of monopoly money is what I like to call them. They're actually called allocation money. 2.5 million in GAM, that's general allocation money, and 2.4 million in targeted allocation money. The Reader's Digest version here is that's money just added onto the cap. Blah, 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 blah. Here's where we're at. I've gone in, I've made a spreadsheet. I've looked at uh, rumored transfer fees. I've looked at MLS Players Association, the, the players union, they publish salaries. So I've looked at those salaries. Essentially, here's what we're looking at. This is my best guess. And before I give it to you, I, I also want to say this, that have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and you had to go to the bathroom? You had to like kind of, you don't want to turn the light on. So you like groped your way through the room. Scroggins okay. has, he's 60. Now I want you to imagine that, <laughs> but instead of, instead of your room that you know pretty well, you got kidnapped and blindfolded and, and the person that kidnapped you gave you a brief description of what the room looked like, and now you have to find the bathroom. So that's that's what me trying to figure out the roster rules and our salary cap situation is. That Look, was, I think we have a That round. was such a dark analogy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Jake, and is that's that a, MLS. That's, is that a yeah. cry for help? <laughs> Blink twice help if you're in trouble, Jake. Blink twice if you're in trouble. Why am I reading these roster rules? What's wrong with me? Why do I hate myself? Before Chase Gaspar left or that rumor broke, I was estimating that we had around two hundred dollars to $300,000 of cap space. Y'all, that is nothing. That's nothing. That's no one. That's zero people. That's not even, right, those of you who are savvy enough to know about designated players, we couldn't even get a Max Tam designated player with that because that player would count $680,000 yeah, $680, against the cap. The only thing before we jettisoned Gaspar that we could get would be a young designated player or a U-22 player, both of whom will count $200,000 against the cap. Guys, I need help. I need help. Um, I do think Pat has said they've put offers out for a couple U-22 players that'll count 200 against the cap. We could get better, but we need to recognize that we are absolutely up against the cap. And because I'm doing a very poor job, perhaps I'll post my my sicko spreadsheet onto Twitter tomorrow. I don't know. I haven't decided, but I will say this. I've had conversations about the cap space and our cap situation with some of the fans, some of our fans, our fans, meaning the Dynamo, not the Dynamo faithful. Do we have fans? Anywho, no, there are two somebody. types of fans. A- there are two types of Dynamo fans right now. There are those who have put in a lot of effort to try to understand the cap space and the cap situation. Universally, every one of those is saying, yeah, we will have trouble making signings. And then there are fans who are great fans and they love soccer, but they haven't really gotten into the rule book. And to them, it is ludicrous that we could not make signings. So I'm going to let you judge which one of those two camps you want to trust. Also, Pat is on one of those teams. So (laughs) the GM of the club. Jake, I love that you did all this work and put it in front of us. I hate what it means, though. That's understandable. I hate, I hate that you've you've made it factual and contextualized it for us because it makes me less hopeful for the player that I want to see come in. <laughs> so just just to make sure I understand this, because I'm even looking at the spreadsheet and confused. 
we we have if the Gasper thing is true, we have around six hundred k in cap space, and then we have a DP spot that we could we could definitely use for a U twenty two, but if we sell Gasper, we could probably fit in Maybe. a uh, a, a proper DP. Okay, so this is where things get worse. I was going to ignore this, but but I'm, since you I, I'm asked, asking for clarity. Help so, <laughs> well, clarity. you're you're in the wrong department, Scroggins. You're asking for clarity <laughs> about MLS roster rules. I don't know what story they told you this was going to be, but you're in the wrong book. You have two pretty interesting roster mechanisms in MLS. You have the designated player who, for example, we can pay Hector Herrera five plus million dollars. And as far as the salary cap is concerned, he counts 680,000. Okay, so that's one. You have another roster mechanism called the U22 initiative. So these young players, you can pay whatever transfer fee you want for them as long as they make around 680 or less thousand dollars. They will only count $200,000 against the cap. Are you with me? You're following so far? Professor Ian, put the numbers on the board. And here's what sucks. So if you have three designated players that make more, their their salary charge would be more than $1.68 million. You only get one U22 spot. Okay. If you have two full designated players and your third designated player, their salary charge is either 1.6 million or less. So we call that a max TAM designated player or they are under 24. You can have three U22 initiative players, right? So you either get one or you get three. Here's the situation we're in. We already have two, right? So we already have two U22 players. We have Aliu. And we have Quinones. Both of those came with transfer fees that if we didn't have the U22 slot, they would have to be designated players, right? That's that's kind of our situation. So if we were to go out with that last designated player spot and go pick up, I don't know, Antoine Griezmann or yeah. uh, you know, whoever, right? Him. We I go pick him. up one of those crazy players. Suddenly, we get knocked down to one U22 spot. Bye-bye, Aliyah. And we can't do anything with the other player. So our hands are actually pretty tied with that designated player spot. It has to either be a Max Tam player, which I think we might have room for in the roster now, or a, I would prefer this anyway, an under 24 full-on designated player. That would then count $200,000 against the cap instead of 600. Okay, wow. okay. That was That was riveting. That was well done. And the fact that this is my anti-kidnapping strategy. If I ever get kidnapped, I will start talking about this stuff and they will return me home. People get honorary doctorates all the time. If that doesn't deserve one for the amount of like knowledge and depth of skill that was just displayed, I don't know what does move over. Every celebrity member's gotten an honorary doctorate and give it to Jake. That's like at least 200 honorary doctorates for him. And five shrew bucks. All right, Kyle, I miss you. I want to hear about you. We're moving on to team news. Talk to me about a couple of these hires that we've taken on, specifically Juan Guerra as assistant coach. Yeah, I think this hire of Juan Guerra is really good, especially given the fact that we lost Brendan Burke, our beloved assistant coach, to his new move over to Hartford Athletic in the USL. He is their new head coach and GM which is a great move for him, fully deserving, but a big miss for us because he, Ben and Pat and Asher all talked about what a key role he played on Ben's coaching staff. And we saw at times when Ben got a little too heated, Brendan stepped in as a great coaching option for us. And I think Brendan also got a little bit heated as well. Yeah, sometimes. I was going to say. So our, our coaching staff is just, just right on the edge to being a little too heated at all times, which is probably good. <laughs> matches our, our our tenacity. So uh, Juan Guerra, though, comes to us from Phoenix Rising FC out of the USL, and they just won the USL this last season. He, could, he took them from being kind of right on the edge of playoffs and brought them all the way to the title, which is huge for him, for that club, and now for us as a team and uh, on our coaching staff, I think he's going to fill that role really well that we no longer have with Brendan Burke. 
And Ben and Pat both talked in their pressers about him, about how he fits the coaching mentality and the style of play. And I think he's going to bring a good approach to our our coaching staff. Really excited for that. Yeah, that's really cool. I think he's going to be a top-notch hire. I think that's something that we've really gotten right lately is putting people in key positions that are really going to help the Dynamo staff-wise. Scroggins, there's another hire, Manuel Junco, Director of Player Identification. I have no idea what that means. Can you explain that to me? Yeah, Manuel Junco or Flanco, I don't know how he would pronounce it. But yeah, we hired him off of, he was formerly a scout, a scouting director at Austin FC. He's essentially hired to do the same thing here. From all accounts, everything that I read, it's a great hire. One, it weakens Austin and improves us. And I think the issue was, you know, Claudio Claudio Reyna like destroyed his reputation and his career after the last World Cup and Austin FC let him go, brought in a new guy, and that new sporting director over there wanted his people in the room. And so we are the benefit fitters here. And Manuel's going to bring his own network and connections. And and hopefully, hopefully, this is just another step in getting our academy to kick on. Absolutely. Very excited about that. Like I just said, key positions in the staff, the back room has been what the Dynamo are lacking. And I love that Ted, our owner, and Pat Onstad and Asher Mendelson are really working to improve all of that stuff. That only makes the team better in the long term. Biggest news, however, is that we are heading to preseason. Our boys are in Guadalajara right now. That's pretty exciting. And with preseason here with us, I think we can really start to find out how the team's gelling and things like that. We can't watch, but we will get news and hear information about what's going on. I'm excited for it. What about you, Manny? Yeah, I'd be more pumped if we could actually see something. But I'm glad that they're back together. I'm glad they're going to start you know, working on the season, hopefully start gelling. They have that game, preseason game in Orlando as well on the 14th of February. So that'll be good. Hopefully we can get in some new guys before that February 14th game so they can start gelling with the team too. And I would love to you know, be able to get some news out of those and see how things are going. Yeah, that would be wonderful. I have actually heard that Sebus is starting the games. It, or at least that's the plan, and we'll see how he does. Because we're talking a lot about Aliyu. He might not even see the pitch. Sebus might take his job back. I don't know. But that's all speculation. You know what's not speculation? The best part of our pod, the fun wrap-up. Gentlemen, we have made it. And you know what? Jake Barry asked us a couple of days ago, in a very joking way, this fun wrap-up, and we decided that we had to use it. Jake, I want you to explain it. Go ahead. All right. So Ben d- does not like starting strikers as strikers. He he did not like Sebas. Again, we'll get into that next week. It's fine. He he played Baird there. Baird's probably more of a natural wide player. The other player he he spent a lot of time playing at striker was Aliu, who again more of a natural wide player being converted to a new position. Uh, so the question is, who is the worst player to convert to striker? that Ben would still start at striker before he started Sebas. Which is just very interesting to think about. And you know what, Jake, this is your question. I think you deserve to give us the answer first. Hit us with it. All right, so I I thought this was a joke when I started it, but I've actually talked to myself into it. And I think this is the moment where I've studied MLS and our coach too much and I'm starting to become him. The answer is Franco Escobar. Here's the thing. What does Ben want from a striker? Goals? Sure. And here's the thing. Escobar scored a few. So, cool. Bonus. What he wants? Somebody to strike and lead the line? Absolute check. Someone fast enough to stretch the defense? I'm going to give that a tentative check. Someone who works hard and is feisty as hell? I'm going to give that four or five checks. In fact, one check for every time he should have been sent off last year. Say hello to your new starting striker. Franco Escobar. Franco Escobar as a striker. He would literally terrify center backs uh, and goalkeepers for sure. I think he might I think he might be the highest goal scorer in the league. Kyle, who is the worst player in your opinion that Ben could convert to striker to play instead of Sebas? You're not gonna believe this, Inski man, but 
It is also Franco Escobar. I am in full agreement with Jake here, but I am actually answering the question as it is written. Who is the worst <laughs> player to convert? The reason that Franco Escobar is the worst to convert to striker, a lot of the reasons that Jake listed off there is, is part of this, his tenacity, his hustle. The dude is all over the pitch at all times. But here's the problem. We used to be a team that got yellow cards like it was candy. It was all over the place. And Franco Escobar is no exception to this. As a defender, he has to be aware of his positioning on the pitch and when he's going to foul people and he has to rein draw it a in. yellow card. He has to rein it in. If you put that man up top, he is going to be sent off within the first seven minutes because he is bloodbath. He, he can do whatever he wants. He's at the he's at the top of the pitch. He's like the ref's not going to give me a yellow card for a foul up here. This isn't a dangerous part of the field. It doesn't matter. And he's going to very quickly get his two yellow cards and get sent off. Yeah. So we're going to end up playing without a striker. Although I do think that Franco Escobar could be a very good striker if given the opportunity. That that's actually a yellow card. It's just covered in blood. He can stay on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Manny. Who do you think would be the worst player that Ben would still rather play than Sevis? So I'm also going to stick with a defender. I feel like a defender seemed like an obvious choice. I am breaking away from Escobar, though. My choice is Eric Sviachinko. If you guys ever played FIFA in 2009, 2008, 2010... I think we uh, all did. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, of course. We were there. There was a well-known center back that played for Barcelona named Carlos Puyos. And you would play him a striker because that man could head in the ball like nobody's business. It was... It was a thing that some people did, and I thought it was fantastic because he just you just swing it into him and he would head that ball in. Sviachinko would do the exact same thing, except he would miss every time. That's the is. problem. <laughs> there um, it is. He would get <laughs> we his were head all on the shaking ball. Our heads. He would get his head on the ball. He would get up in the air. He would outmuscle anybody that's on him up there as well, but he would miss. And so there goes our goals. But also there goes our back line because he's now playing up top and our back line is weakened. So that is the worst choice to play up top. And Ben would still pick him over Sevis. I think that might be correct. But Scroggins, you still get to answer. Go for it. Yeah, for me, it's a tough call. Part of me, knowing what Ben values, part of me wants to say Griffin Dorsey. But Dorsey was actually a winger and an attacking player. So he wouldn't be the worst. I think I'm going to have to go with Artur. One, because he would absolutely destabilize the entire structure if he's removed from his defensive midfielder spot. We would turn into a sieve, like like water would flow through us like a net, like it would just be horrible, right? Secondly, as this man is up front, he does everything that Ben wants him to do, right? He's the first defender, not the, you know, like he's he's going to lead the press and he's going to do a great job tackling and and pressing and harrying but when he gets the ball when he gets the ball he's gonna shoot it over the net he's gonna shoot it wide because we how many times do we see that man line up just with an open clear sight on goal and blast it to the moon right the only thing that would save him is if somehow we told him the actual goal was nutmegging the goalie then maybe he would score but I, I think that, with all due respect, gentlemen, I think that Artur is the pick here. Wow. I think, honestly, that you guys are thinking too high up the pitch. What has been like most in a striker? Running. Someone who can't score goals. That's Ben's choice week in and week out. So where, where do you find that? You find that in your own net. But it can't be. It cannot be. Steve Clark, because he's in the net. It's got to be our backup, Andrew Tarbell. And he's a giant, right? So ready for headers. You know, he's got long legs. I bet he can kick a ball. So Ben's going to say, you know what? At least Tarbell, at least he's a team player. He's willing to sit in the back, let Steve Clark get all the minutes. He's fine with that. Take his time. That's what, that's what Ben wants, a team player who doesn't score goals. That is the person. Best chosen to convert to striker and play in front of Sebas. You heard it here first, boys. 
All right, this pod is all wrapped up and ready to go. We're going to do an in-depth look at the squad and talk about some interesting player developments next episode. So be sure to like and subscribe to this pod. We love you guys. Stay faithful. Thank you for listening to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast. We are Chris Sinski, Manny Farcier, Christopher Scroggins, Jake Barry, Kyle McGuire, Emmett Rumfield, and James Franklin. Dynamo Faithful is produced by Ian Gregory Graff with marketing and design from Zach Below. Dynabot is powered by predictions from 538 Club Soccer Predictions. Learn more at 538.com. Music provided by Alex Grohl on Pixabay. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at dynamo underscore faithful and send your questions to dynamofaithfulpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay faithful.